This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, Donktober 16th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Elaine Gomez, game designer at Eline Media and co-founder of Latinx and Gaming. How are you, Elaine? I'm doing really well, considering all the circumstances of the world. How are you doing, Greg? You know, you say that I got an email from Anthony Carboni about other stuff today, and it was, I hope you're doing well grading on the 2020 curve. And I was like, oh, that may, yes, that's a perfect way of putting it. I am well, Elaine. Thank you for coming through your second appearance this week on Kind of Funny. Of course, this is Hispanic Heritage Month. We're closing it out with Hispanic Heritage Week, and you get to be the final guest here on Kind of Funny Games Daily. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm glad, you know, circumstances uh, got us to actually meet, what, a couple months ago now for a panel we did, and I thought you yep. were fantastic. And so when, again, shout out to Mario Rivera, one of the mm-hmm. fans uh, here in the audience, works at Dual Shockers now, when he was like, hey, we sh- you guys should do something for this. And I was like, you know what? You're at the top of my list. So if for people who maybe missed the Kind of Funny podcast you were on, what is Latinx in Gaming? So Latinx in Gaming is uh, very most recently a nonprofit organization. We are filed as a 501c3. So um, we just dedicate community space, like both online and offline for Latinx creators of all over the industry. So that means developers, but also people in marketing, people in sure. business, content creators and all that stuff. So yeah, we're here to just help our community and uplift them in whatever way we can. My other question for you, and I know you explained this on the panel, so I know, but I want to make sure everyone understands. What does Latinx mean? When we put that up as the kind of funny podcast, the comments kind of went either people totally ignored it or they had strong opinions about it. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot of different uh, opinions when it comes to that. Um, and it really depends what bubble you are in. If you are in uh, a group of friends or in in a community where you don't really recognize like diversity that much, like there's not LGBTQA people in your space, there's not trans people, non-binary people in your space, then you won't use the word. It's not, it's not a word that necessarily a lot of people in Latin America use. Instead, what um, abroad, what they use is Latinas was an E instead of an X. Um, and that just flows better grammatically in Spanish. But the sure. whole idea is to, because Spanish is a gendered language, everything is either a male or female. Um, we're trying to accommodate for those folks who don't feel that they're represented by a male or a female pronoun. So by adding an X to Latinx instead of Latino or Latina, we are accommodating them and we are making them feel included in our community. And it's really out of love and respect. In fact, um, in our Unidos online uh, stream, which happened last last week, um, we raised money. We raised like $7,000 for two or two orgs, which was awesome. It was our first charity stream. Um, and somebody brought, in, brought it up in chat. They were like, so for 1% of the people in your community, you're going to change the noun that you define yourselves as. And uh, yeah, literally for 1%, because 1% is a lot of people. And if they don't feel love and respected, we're doing something wrong and we're not abiding by our vision, which is to create a safe space and an inclusive space for everyone. Um, and, and that literally means everyone. So whether yeah. you agree with it or not, whether you are in a queer space or not, it's not up to you. It's not about your opinion and your comfortability. It's about those who are not like you um, and giving them a space and allowing them to express themselves. So that is why we use x and latinx and yeah if people don't like it too bad because yes. the people the people that need to hear it appreciate it and that's all that matters to us so yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> preach elaine preach empathy goes a long way you know what exactly, i mean exactly 100 percent. let's really talk about cool. some game well, oh, i was just gonna say no, it'd, go be ahead, really what cool. it'd be really cool if they they added that to the census you know what i mean just because yeah. it's weird that the census just doesn't have a latin option a latino option latinx option just saying that's a weird thing yeah Yeah. 
And definitely I want to demystify or at least uh, do with that thing that we don't use Latinx abroad, like in Latin America, like that's incorrect, actually. I have many friends who live all over Latin America and they don't use the X, but they use the E. So they're mm -hmm. still having a pronoun. They're still trying to break that whole gendered situation. So it, it does happen. But just because you're not aware of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, like with so many other things in life. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Elaine. God damn. Let's end this on a high note. I love it. I love it. Uh, let's also... What? You got it, Kevin? No, that Kevin, wasn't me. That wasn't me. No, oh, sorry. Oh, let's also then uh, talk about Phil Spencer talking about uh, the Bethesda Xbox games coming to PlayStation, or maybe not. Uh, the Avengers delays and some PlayStation 5 accessories that may be shipping early because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday on a variety of platforms, we run you through the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. You can give us your questions, comments, concerns, everything under the daily video game sun. Then you can, of course, go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames games to get each and every episode ad free along with the exclusive post show we do uh, of course you get your name read like our patreon producers uh james davis aka at james davis makes blackjack and tom bach and there's so much more on patreon.com slash kind of funny games however if you have no bucks tossed our way it's no big deal you can watch as we record the show live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games if you're watching live you have a special job go to kind of funny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube dot com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com and listening on podcast services around the globe each and every weekday housekeeping for you we have two huge streams today you'll of course catch these later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games if you're watching later uh right after this episode of kind of funny games daily uh gary and i are debuting vice president joe biden's island in animal crossing i don't know how that happened either but we're doing it uh twitch.tv slash kind of funny games right after that's the official reveal we'll be going to the biden island we will be giving out the dream code at the end so you can go as well uh after that uh blessing and i are going to try out ghost of tsushima legends for a few hours and hang out out. Uh, then tomorrow, Donktober continues. It'll be Blessing and Barrett playing Donkey Kong 64 at noon Pacific time, twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Uh, today we're brought to you by Upstart, DoorDash, and Bespoke Post, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. We got five items on the Roper Report. A baker's dozen! Number one is one that was breaking as we went live from a little boy named Steven Totillo over at Kotaku. He has a giant interview with Phil Spencer covering all manner of Xbox Series X, the future, Game Pass, you name it. But he also talks to him about Bethesda. Uh, I'm calling this one Xbox doesn't need Bethesda on PlayStation. We will start in progress, then jump a bit further. During our 48-minute chat, we covered those machines, of course, the next-gen ones, and a lot more. Ballooning game file sizes, the Bethesda deal, and how Microsoft plans to enable next-gen gaming on a current gen console first let's talk about xbox series s and x and then they go on to talk about that now joining them deeper for the bethesda things of course steven does great work this is a fantastic interview with phil you should go check it out in kotaku but jumping into the bethesda stuff it's odd to talk to a console maker about launching two consoles at once but it's even stranger to be talking to them about a game company they just bought for 7.5 billion dollars such are the peculiar times we live in in September, Microsoft said it was buying ZeniMax, the parent company of Bethesda, id Software, and other top flight studios. That makes the likes of Fallout, uh, oh, that might, I'm sorry, that make the likes of Fallout, The Elder Scrolls, and Doom. The planned purchase immediately bolstered Microsoft's roster of internal studios. The deal will cap off the company's generation-long shopping spree uh, in attempt to counter the reps of rival Sony and uh, Nintendo, uh, which have both been long regarded as having stronger internal game-making operations. The expanded roster of games also gives Microsoft a lot more content to bundle into their popular Netflix-style Game Pass subscription service and offer via xCloud. The company's game streaming service, which lets players access games remotely and play them on their phones, tablets, or their devices. Spencer had said in previous interviews that existing deals involving ZeniMax games would still be honored, suggesting something like the time-traveling game Deathloop will still come first to PS5 as previously announced. Beyond that, though, Fans have been, beyond by the way, have been wondering whether ZeniMax games would go Xbox and PC only. In other words, they've wondered if PlayStation would stop getting fallouts and miss out on the sequel to Skyrim. I wondered that too. Quote, is it possible to recoup a $7.5 billion investment if you don't sell Elder Scrolls uh, 6 on PlayStation? I asked, says Steven. Yes, Spencer quickly replied. Then he paused. 
I don't want to be flip about that. This deal was not done to take games away from another player base like that. Nowhere in the documentation that we put together was, how do we keep play other players from playing these games? We want more people to be able to play games, not fewer people to be able to play to go play games. But I'll also say in the model, I'm not I'm just answering directly the question that you, that you had. When I think about where people are going to be playing the number of and, uh, and the number of devices that we had, and we have xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console base, I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to make an order to kind of make the deal work for us, whatever that means, end quote. We do know that Microsoft has made big studio purchase, has made a big studio purchase and kept its new franchise multi-platinum form before. That's what they did with Mo Yang and its game Minecraft. So it wouldn't be wild to see Fallout 5 on PlayStation 5 for now, uh, period. For now, Spencer has said the platforms for future ZeniMax games will be determined on a case-by-case basis. And even if they make the games multi-platform, Spencer's team can still boast an advantage. ZeniMax games could be sold at full price on PlayStation, but offered at a large discount on the Xbox platform as part of the $10 a month Game Pass subscription, a killer deal that already grants players launch day access to every new Microsoft-published game. That was a lot to read, Elaine. I'm sorry to make you just sit there and listen, but okay. it's context to the argument we've all been having on a, a variety of podcasts of what this deal actually means. Elaine, what do you think? Do we see Bethesda games, the Zenimax games, now Xbox games on PlayStation 5 in the future? I would assume so, just because of the like logistical crap <laughs> that happens in the back end <laughs> with money. Anytime yeah. money is involved with anything games, you are guaranteed that there's going to be some exclusivity of some kind. So yeah. that's what I would assume. But as a game developer, like, like how uh, as many platforms as our games can be on, the better for us, because that means we're reaching the most people. <laughs> I have heard, you know, people who are so vested in the Xbox ecosystem, you know, uh, Danny Pena was on it earlier. I've heard him talk about it. I've heard Paris talk about it. I've heard uh, all manner of conversation about this. And it's interesting to see the, the different sides people go to of, of course, it'll be multi-platform. And then, of course, it won't be. You have this investment, you $7.5 billion, right? Like, why would you uh, ever give that up? And mm. I... I find myself torn because I can make a case either way. If I was yeah. a betting man right now, at the we're not even into the next generation. We don't know how these systems are going to run away. We don't know who's going to be the industry leader and how Game Pass nets out and so on and so forth. I would say that, yes, you will see the Bethesda games you think of, your big ones, your Fallouts, your Skyrims, the ones with giant fan bases on other platforms, being play, in, that being PlayStation, of course. Because I do think that what Steven hits on at the end here is so powerful. That if you are a Fallout fan, if you are a Skyrim fan and you are die hard for that franchise, wouldn't you want to play it in the best place and the cheapest place to play it? Like, I feel like Xbox is making this argument that even if they put it on PlayStation and it was coming to PlayStation 5 and it is $70 or you can pay $14, Game Pass Ultimate, stream it wherever you want, play all these other hundreds of great games, do all these different things. Again, this is this, be unabashed in your marketing. This is the console we designed it for. This is where there's bells and whistles and we're able to make you know use of all the teraflops and everything else the Xbox Series X can do. Like, even though you're advertising that it is on PlayStation, for me, that makes sense to, hey, this is why you need to buy an Xbox. Mm. Am yeah. I wrong? Yeah. I mean, from my uh developer standpoint <laughs> i don't like to be honest i don't i don't i don't care <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> because, no 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 please listen 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 like um when it comes to studios making games like regardless we need to buy developer kids for all consoles yeah um and to like look at it from the perspective of a studio whether they're owned by a parent company or not there's financial conversations that need to be had what if cool you have seven billion dollars by being an exclusive of microsoft right because of that whole transaction but mm. what if you have the door open for another seven billion um branching off from other different consoles so why wouldn't you take the 14 billion and just go with a seven so like to me like a as a developer that's what i'm i would think of um that's like all executive decisions by the way us developers have oh, no sure. freaking like say in any of this um but i could definitely say from the developer perspective 
having franchises that have already been established, like Skyrim, and having uh, the ability to understand how they work in different consoles and then or even PC and porting that stuff to a very specific console that has very specific hardware and perhaps very specific requirements, that's definitely going to be a challenge for a lot of studios. Um, and that happened with the PS3, actually, that I recently yeah. found out, um, that the PS3, the architecture was so difficult. The that cell it processor, was... man, it was terrible. Exactly. It was so difficult that like games like they had really tough times studios making games for the ps3 which is now what makes sense that we can have backwards compatibility specifically with ps3 because it was a freaking nightmare to, to deal with on the back end so i, I mean wonder... Bethesda is a great example of that if you remember yes. skyrim right was incredibly broken the longer you played, the way that game at launch compiled information eventually made it unplayable and dropped the frame rate. And it took them forever to fix that. That wasn't a quick fix, but it's it was not. what you're talking about of mm -hmm. working with different architectures and trying to figure all this out. Yeah. So that's like, uh, to me, that, in my mind, that is my, my number one concern when it comes to all these franchises. Like, is it possible to to do justice to the franchise and change architecture of the how the entire game works so that it works on that console specifically? Or can we, what we call refactoring, which is reusing of things that have been done before, can we refactor so that we can continue to stay on the next generation of the consoles that we have worked with before? Um, so it's, it's a lot to, to think about. Um, yeah. And engineering, like, uh, Many kudos to the engineering teams all over the games industry because they definitely had to deal with a lot of crap that they are not giving credit for when it comes to figuring 100%. out these situations. Making games is incredibly difficult. And I think yes, yeah, all of is. us as fans, yeah, you know it as being a developer at Eline Media, right? Like you see it from a side that I only interview people or talk over drinks with people about. Like I hear these horror stories and can't imagine a day to day and then not even remove the horror stories from it, just in general making magic from nothing like making games mm -hmm. is a magical thing and we totally take that for uh, uh grant we totally don't give that enough credit take it for granted yeah and uh sit there and like oh well why don't they just hit the button and port it over and make this work and why yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how hard can it be to go between a ps5 and an xbox series x Oh, it can be the difference of night and day, right? Because they're proprietary. Yeah. They're proprietary systems. They're proprietary hardware. So when it comes to, let's say, a particular game that it has only been exclusive on a console forever, and all of a sudden they're gonna make a shift, or they don't, they have never had the architecture to deal with making the shift. That is months and months and months of work trying to figure that out, and. It, optimizing things just for the sake of that specific console so that means taking engineering man hours or uh, women hours because there's sure, women sure, engineers sure. Um, but taking all that time literally just to focus on making sure that the game runs on on the dev kit so that it can be ported properly and that takes away from actual gameplay balancing and all that stuff so it's like one of these things where it's like a double-edged sword because like you invest time into making sure that this thing's working properly at the same time you are losing time to fix you know those enemy encounters that seem like too hard or, or, or too easy um things that are bugged out like um faces that are missing <laughs> heads that are missing like all those things like sometimes you know have to have to take priority over the over one over the other right so as a developer yeah. that's what i would i would be most concerned about is like can this be possible and can this be well done in a way that um doesn't make the community upset and angry because the game is not up to their expectation you know and, and that's why i think you know he talks about being case by case and i do agree that's how it'll be my thought process on it is that the and it might actually work the opposite i think of how most people would think about it but your giant games your skyrim your fallout right these are the games you make multi-platform that you put that work into that you try to make sure the millions of people who want to play it are going to be able to play it but your smaller stuff right if you're going to make dishonored if you're going to do something more with that if you're going to make another prey if you're going to do something that has a fan base just doesn't have an enormous fan base take that and keep that to xbox that way it's like hey we're we're bringing you in and again it's you know i think all you know especially with xcloud you know, Game Pass Ultimate for 15 bucks is a steal. Because even if you're the most diehard, you love Platinums, you're all over it, but Prey 2, the real Prey 2 this time, is exclusive to Xbox. Pay the 15 bucks, hook up a controller to your tablet, your PC, whatever it's going to be, and play it there. And then hopefully you get tricked. Not tricked, I shouldn't say. But you see the <laughs> value of it, right? Like, Because that's the whole thing, yeah. is it's trying to get you through the door to then be like, hey, look how great it is in here. 
Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to that too, because um, I always think about the player experience and that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. It's like, how is the player going to react to decisions that we're making on the back end? Like yeah. to me, to me, it, it sounds smart and it makes sense to have smaller titles be exclusive and then bigger titles be multi-platform because it depends on the fan base, right? If I'm gating the access of, I don't know, 5 million, 10 million players to a specific console that they don't have, is it okay to force them to purchase a hardware that may not be able to afford? Um, do I force them to, um, I don't know, like all the hours that they have invested into the game in another console, do I force them to just cold turkey quit it and then start all over again you know yeah. there are those conversations too that need to be had and that i would be super concerned about as a designer because that wouldn't be fair like i putting myself in the shoes of a player like if i have invested hundreds and hundreds of hours in a game and all of a sudden i'm told hey we're migrating the entire title to this other console and then i don't have it am i actually gonna go out there and buy it or am i just gonna find another franchise to enjoy on the console that i already have or yeah. the system that i already have so there's a lot of like logistical and like ethics <laughs> issues when it comes to that decision is and it's not an easy decision to make and i think that's why so many people have so many opinions about it because it really is a multi-layered situation 100 percent, and yeah i think it is so case by case and i think that that you know i mean it's so you could it'd be so easy for Phil and Xbox to make a call right now, but as we all know, in one year, the industry will not be the, how it is right now. In six months, right. the industry will not be how it is right now. And so right. why try to make that call when paint yourself into a corner? So there's always hats off to him for being so transparent on the whole issue. Now, speaking of transparency, I am going to break my own heart. Number two on the Roper Report, Avengers has delayed its next-gen upgrades and its Kate Bishop DLC. Uh, Scott Amos over at Chris Dynamics put up a big old state of play that covers a lot of stuff, but for the bullet points people probably care the most about, we'll start there. We know fans are hungry for new content, but delivering a fun experience is our priority. With this in mind, we've decided to push Kate Bishop's Operation launch back a bit out of October. We're sorry for this slight delay, but we are dedicated as a team to quality first. We've also made the decision to shift our PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X slash S launch to next year to ensure that we give our team the time to deliver a next-gen experience showcasing all that this game is meant to be. More details to come. Silver lining. Until then, however, you'll be able to continue playing current-gen Marvel's Avengers game on the next-gen platforms to take advantage of their powerful hardware, be it via inserting a physical disc or re-downloading the game. Two of the most obvious benefits of this are improved frame rates and faster loading times. In addition, players who make the jump to PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X slash S will still be able to play co-op with their friends on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, respectively, as we carry over their existing save games and to, uh, forward to the next generation consoles. So kind of to what you were talking about, Elaine, you were talking about fan bases and, you know, movie consoles. But in general, like that was such a I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop with all the other stuff that's been happening with Avengers. They're like, are they really going to have next gen ready to go? I didn't see Kate Bishop getting delayed. Are they going to have next gen ready to go? Will saves work there again, assuring us they will for backwards compatibility. That's great. Uh, more bullet points that are more positive though. As mega Marvel fans ourselves, we can't wait to reveal more about the iconic superheroes, supervillains, and settings on the roster these coming months, starting with our next Marvel's Avengers War Table in November. So there's finally confirmation of another big video they're doing. Uh, they know, went on to note, or actually before anything I've talked about it, noted uh, they're they're still working on the ping system, campaign, replay, campaign replays, etc. Uh, mega Hives are going to be getting multiplayer. Omega level threats are coming, and it looks like the Cloning Lab, cloning lab is one of those. And it looks like it's available for this weekend, actually, because it's going to be weekend content. But I get a chance to sign on and say that uh more from them as a sign of our appreciation for being with us from the start of this journey beginning at 10 a.m on october 22nd players will receive a digital thank you bundle which includes uh 1500 credits uh 7000 units 250 upgrade modules 20 dna keys a sarah garza inspired nameplate because seriously you're the best uh, this bundle will be available until november 5th elaine do you give a shit about avengers <laughs> Well, did you know I used to be an intern at Marvel? I did not know you used to be an intern. When was this? This was my senior year in college in 2013, and I used to be a digital media intern. So, uh, because I was an IT, uh, an information technology uh, bachelor's degree, um, I wanted to do something in, in technology based. So, digital media had to do with all the like database stuff for the comics on the website. Sure. So I would, every week I would update all the comics that were going to come out for each day and all that stuff. That was my internship. And if you go to the archives of the podcast or Marvel back in 2013, like 
spring of 2013, I w- used to be on a few episodes with Brian Panaganos on the. Oh, on the I hate him. God, <laughs> the war staging M. Yeah. Yeah, I used to be on the podcast. Very awkward 23-year-old me, by the way. <laughs> That's awesome. So then yeah. I guess you've already got a bunch of level 150s, right? You've been playing Marvel's Avengers. It's going out of style. Oh, no, no way. <laughs> I haven't played in years. <laughs> uh, I play Marvel's Avengers all the time, Elaine, I'll have you know. So today is a bittersweet day of we have more content for the first time because they dropped a whole bunch of stuff this week. That's and then, cool. yeah, they're delaying the things I was pretty effing excited about. I don't know why I censored fucking there. Uh, pretty excited about. Uh, Mitch Crasson writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games with a question, however. Marvel's Avengers has delayed their next gen version amid announcements today. How big of an impact do you see this decision having on the long term engagement and sales of the game? I know I was waiting for a next-gen copy myself, but I'm wondering how big the news is. It's a great question, Mitch, and I do think it could go multiple ways. I very much have been talking to people, you know, again, I you know, still play with a group of friends. Not uh, we, I still play Marvel's Avengers, I'd say, just about every day, checking in on dailies and doing stuff, and I'd say uh, usually it was me and Goldfarb every night, but we've fallen off because of reviews and Xbox Series X and a bunch of other stuff, and he's obviously launching a game today for Ghost of Tsushima Legends. Um... I think it goes two ways where I'm still stoked. If you watch the games cast where we did uh, two weeks ago, we did a uh, games cast where I did Xbox series X loading times behind me and I loaded Avengers and I was talking about how awesome and how fast this is compared to the normal version. I'm still excited then for backwards compatible PlayStation five, get in there and play it that way and get Kate Bishop when she comes, you assume hopefully knock on wood in November. Uh, The next gen version I was expecting to, for them to kind of be like a DC Universe Online launch, where if you remember, DC Universe Online had been around forever. PlayStation 4 had come around. Uh, DC Universe Online was free to play, and there was a huge influx of players to it. I could have seen that happening a bit with Marvel's Avengers, but I think based on even what you're reading, you just heard me read about here and how it's been a struggle, as we've talked about dwindling player bases and stuff like that, this might work in their benefit, where clearly even now the game's not primetime ready. It's not this triple a everybody loves what they play of it i play it and i'm obsessed with it and like but it's like just the grind of it for me i think if they actually do it and they can get this out in january february there are fewer things it's the normal thing we always talk about of hey we're coming off the holiday people have new units and now rather than go back and play their backlog they're excited for what's coming in 2021 if you could drop it then and have it be in a really good spot and there are a bunch of villain sectors and there are a lot of things to do and all the things we've complained about for a month not being there if they were there in spades I think you could have a resurgence there of people like yourself who want to jump in and do it. But that's, you know, remains to be seen. They need to prove a bunch of stuff. Elaine, from, you know, being a developer, how hard is it for developers to wrestle with when to launch a game, how to support it afterwards? They, there's all, you know, Marvel had this plan they were talking about, obviously, with Kate Bishop and Hawkeye and all this stuff. But I would imagine launching it, they found, so many different bugs and quality of life things they needed to prioritize above that that they shift their priorities and now it looks like they're late but they're only late because they're trying to make the game like what is the struggle like on your side of the industry for that oh man so when it comes to that stuff it really is dependent on like executive executive decisions and then the producer which is like the project manager and like their ability to shift around priorities um we have things that we call hot fixes when it's like something is super duper broken it's game breaking to the point that you cannot log in or something like that or you cannot progress and those always take priority number one um in fact even in our studio when we launched uh one of our games most recently that had a live component to it because it was like Mm -hmm. user generated content based um when it came to that, like we had to be on call, like even on the weekends, because in case sure. something in case something broke, like we were responsible. Like it, not we designers, but the engineers were de- definitely responsible to fix that as soon as possible. So that meant at like three a.m., like nine a.m., three p.m., everybody had like a, a rotating schedule where they would be on call for an, yeah. a, a period of time in order to deal with these those hotfix issues. So it's definitely a sacrifice from like a personal perspective, right? Um, but we it's with with an understanding that it's only a short period of time where you release the game and those hot fixes need to be made because usually it's stable enough where that won't happen. Um, but when it comes to prioritizing like live updates like that, like adding new characters, perhaps new abilities, um, adding to content that you didn't have before, there's definitely a difference between that free update that you get and then what we call that premium download, the DLC that you have to pay for. Yeah. So there's like all that, all those decisions are not made by us. Um, we can definitely like suggest and uh, 
add considerations to those decisions. Um, but it all comes down to the executives and the leads and what they think it's best to, uh, what direction they think it's best to drive the game to. And then we just do as we're as we're told, really, um, when it comes to that. But I prefer the free updates. I I love giving the player more content so that the game continues to live. Sure. Um, we can continue to balance and make the game better. Um, but you know, I definitely have my reserved opinions about premium content. Um, sometimes I just think it's not fair to uh, add to fin- like a financial burden to the player to enjoy content. So I don't know. There's like definitely everybody has different opinions when it comes to that stuff. Um, but live updates for sure. There is like a timeline that you we we go through in development where it's not that all of a sudden when we release the game it's like oh yeah w- wouldn't it be awesome if we have a, a free update in dlc like let's just like pull it out of our ass and bring it to the community <laughs> like that doesn't happen usually it's in tandem with the release of the game so that's even more burdensome on 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 the developers because it's almost like we are doing two timelines of the project at once so that they can be released when they're supposed to be released and then you get the issues of these hot fixes and all this stuff and then things get changed and everybody gets fucking angry and then there's nothing you can do about it because we're just being told what to do as shit comes up so yeah. it's 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 hard making games <laughs> yeah like long said. story short tldr it's hard making games yeah it's, it's really, gonna really be difficult I'm fascinated to see how Avengers plays out because I do think, you know, there's been so many articles and updates on what the player base looks like based on, you know, Steam figures and stuff like that. And obviously PlayStation had Spider-Man, so maybe that's where they all went. But there's been a significant drop off. And so, mm. the you know, the, the dropping of Substation Zero and then uh, this week, Cloning Lab, uh, adding in the Tachyon missions and stuff. Like, I'm interested in that, but that's because I was already grinding on it. And how long will that keep me around? And I think Kate Bishop getting pushed back is honestly a bigger deal than the next gen version getting pushed back because I think you so many people already have the sunk cost into Avengers that they probably are looking forward to new heroes and new story missions dropping in that way. And how do you balance that? And what is it? And what does the success look like? And, you know, obviously you're in a partnership with Marvel games. Do they, um, do, you know, Bill Roseman, incredibly smart man who makes who makes the decisions over there. You assume he understands how long a games of service takes to find its legs, but are they on in a place he's happy with it? Who knows? A bunch of different right. stuff. Right, absolutely. But on that track, number three, NPD for September has been released. This is Darren Bonfis over at GameSpot. The top-selling game of the month was Marvel's Avengers from publisher Square Enix and developer Crystal Dynamics. Launch month dollar sales of Marvel's Avengers were the second highest for any superhero game in U.S. history right behind Marvel's Spider-Man. Marvel's Avengers is so far the seventh best-selling game of 2020, although it has experienced a significant drop-off in audience numbers since launch, which Square Enix is confident will be reversed with new patches in DLC. But it's all delayed. Womp womp. Uh, Super Mario 3D All-Stars took the second spot in its launch month. Physical dollar sales rank as the sixth biggest for Nintendo in the U.S. history. The game currently trails behind Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and Pokemon Stadium in physical launch month dollar sales tony's tony hawks tony's hawk tony hawks <laughs> pro skater one plus two uh, hd remix remastered whatever was september's fourth best-selling game and went on to surpass the launch month dollar sale of any title in the history of the tony hawk franchise a record which had been held since 2004 tony hawk underground 2 uh, so your top 10 listed out look like this for September 2020 NPD software sales. Uh, Marvel's Avengers, number one. Number two, Super Mario 3D All-Stars. Number three, Madden NFL 21. Number four, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2. Number five, NBA 2K21. Number six, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number seven, Crusader Kings 3. Number eight, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Number nine, Star Wars Squadrons. Number 10, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And then just to get him in there, number 11, Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. And number 12, Ghost of Tsushima hanging on on there and then best-selling uh, to update your best-selling games year to date number one call of duty modern warfare number two animal crossing new horizons number three the last of us part two number four madden nfl 21 number five ghost of tsushima number six final fantasy 7 remake number seven marvel's avengers number eight dragon ball z karat kakarat uh number nine mlb the show 20 and then number 10 super mario 3d all-stars so good news bad news day for avengers you get the crown, Elaine. You sold a bunch of copies, and you were the best of <laughs> September. However, most of the stuff people were looking forward to is delayed. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of sucks, right? <laughs> Live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, in games, there's so much stuff coming out that you just, 
Like you were in that moment. It's like uh, Twitter Twitter um, exploration. You know, the navigation is just like you have your top 10 things in this hour and then five hours later is something completely different. You just need to deal with the fact that this is how life is now. <laughs> things last for a few minutes and then everything is gone. That's fine when you're like, when you're Ghost of Tsushima. Great. But when you're this game, is supposed to be like, what, multiple years of people playing the Avengers. We'll see how that nets out. Uh, in more uplifting news overall, though, number four, PlayStation 5 accessories might be shipping early. This is Jeremy Winslow at GameSpot. Some PlayStation 5 buyers may soon open their doors to an unexpected surprise, a pre-ordered accessory absent from the next-gen system. Sony's website currently indicates that it plans to ship certain PlayStation 5 accessories early, dating them for October 30th. According to the PlayStation website, the DualSense controller, HD camera, media remote, DualSense charging station, and Pulse 3D head- wireless headset all release October 30th. Uh, this is two weeks before the PlayStation 5 launches on October 12th. A Twitter user named Mike W. screenshotted an email from PlayStation. The email said the company is excited to ship accessories early. It's unclear what accessories Mike will receive in the coming weeks, as the email simply says, PS5 digital. Some retailers like Target also confirmed the October 30th release date. Other stores such as Best Buy and Walmart still display a October 12th launch for accessories. Kind of funnies. Own Barrett Courtney got one of these emails. He slacked me today to say, uh, I went to the PlayStation site to look at what I pre-ordered and says I'm getting the extra controller I ordered and the charging station early. The email is unclear, but the site itself will tell you what stuff you're getting. So I guess go check out your PlayStation site if you did that. That's exciting it reminds me of tim's story of when he got i think it was the gamecube right and he got the controller early and just sat there holding the controller dreaming about playing smash brothers <laughs> sounds about right for this why did i what go with best buy you know what i mean why did i go with best buy you, ah! well, you, you want to sit there with the controller you'll still get it early shut up greg <laughs> well, i didn't expect that from you right. elaine how, where, where's your excitement for playstation 5 xbox series x the next generation um, I'm excited for both, and in fact, as a good developer that I am, I am going to buy both the Xbox and the PS5. <laughs> look at you, look at you. Well, There's you no console what? war in Elaine's house. No, <laughs> there is none, and the reason why is because I enjoy playing all different types of games, because to me, the more play- games that I play, the better designer I become, because sure. I get to understand different studios and different designers' viewpoints and perspectives when it comes to things, and that's, you know, data that I need to gather. Totally, totally. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like like imagine a designer who doesn't own either and only plays stuff on Steam. Like they're really like closing the doors on so many games that they could potentially get inspired by. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's a great outlook to have. I think that's a, a key, right? Is that, and I know how hard that is. So that's the, always the thing mm-hmm. when I talk to these developers who are heads down on their game. It is that you work on it all day long. You come home, maybe work a little bit. You know, you you try to get dinner. You try to have some kind of fun. And you go to bed. And so it's always that thing when I yep. talk to somebody in that final run up to their game, they're like. I haven't played anything in six months other than exactly. the game. It is so true. It is really, really true. And because imagine like you work ho- like all day on the computer on, on your game. And sometimes you have to work more hours than you should. And then uh, when you come home, like the last thing that you want to do is stare at the screen again. Like you want to work out or you want to eat good food. And then by the time you do all the things, life things, it's already like 10, 11 p.m. And you need to get ready for bed to go to work the next yeah, day. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to be able to enjoy games as like an entertainment medium when you're a game developer because your mind starts dissecting and analyzing the crap out of everything that you play it's like oh if i if i were on the team i would have done this this way and like look at <laughs> look, look at the ui this is not working for me like every developer that i know does the exact same thing every single time they play a game whatever game they may be they just like analyze the crap out of it so it's not like it is still fun don't get me wrong I still enjoy sure of course it, it still is. love it but it becomes like almost homework sometimes because you're trying to like get inspired and figure out what you can do then in your own professional career or in your indie games that you make on your own what you can adapt from like all these new fresh things that are happening what can you can add to your your own perspective design perspective or whatever so yeah it's like extra homework sometimes and sometimes you just I don't want to play games like yeah. I, I just <laughs> I mean, want to read sit a there book. And see the Matrix, yeah, 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 yeah. What you still have? That's always yeah. the problem with turning your your hobby and your passion into your career. Exactly, right? exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, number five on the Roper Report, and to close out this week's news, Analog is making a new Turbo Graphics uh, and PC Engine console. This is Zach uh, Zuizen. Uh, dang it! And I put down Zach's thing. I think he's 
IGN. Kevin, can you Google? I can't remember if it's IGN or GameSpot. I got this one from. Uh, Analog is well known for creating some incredible high-end, high-definition retro consoles based on classic machines like the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. The company's latest focus is NEC systems like the TurboGrafx-16 and PC Engine, announcing today the new Analog Duo. It will be out next year for $200, and like previous Analog consoles, quantities will be limited. Like Analog's other HD retro consoles, the newly announced Duo series does not use software emulation and instead utilizes an FPGA or field programmable gate array chip. What do you got for me, Kev? To simulate uh, the original game systems at a heart. That looks amazing. (laughs) Why do do you do this? What is this bit? It's what they- <laughs> oh, I was way off. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, yeah, you. No Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, that was a Buffalo. It was Blast. Buffalo Blast. No, I know Sorry. the Buffalo Blast. I don't know why you still have those up from when I talked about them. You know what? I don't want to know. Uh, this means you can skip all the headaches and inaccuracies of software emulation, as the FPGA chip found in each analog device, including the Duo, is basically recreating perfectly the original console's innards, just in a tiny digital form. The chip is also versatile, uh, which is why the Duo can play multiple NEC systems games. According to the company, the Duo can play. TurboGrafx-16, PC Engine, Super Graphics, TurboGrafx CD, PC Engine CD-ROM, and Super Arcade CD-ROM games. Uh, the Duo supports both cartridge slots and, or I'm sorry, both a cartridge slot and a CD-ROM drive, allowing you to play all your classic NEC games, regardless of whether they come on a car, a cart, or a CD. Uh, it also supports a controller port, letting owners use original controllers and accessories with the Duo, but it also supports more modern uh, Bluetooth and USB controllers. The Duo uses HDMI, allowing it to output 1080p visuals. Because of how the FPGA chip works and how powerful it is, the picture quality is sharp, clear, and accurate. Elaine, I have no love in me for the Turbo Graphics. It was one of those things, I think Mike Boylan's brother had it because he had a part-time job or whatever, and I saw Bonk a few times or whatever, and I was like, cool, but like, I, go get them, I guess, Jared Petty fans, you know? Yeah, I actually have a Turbo Graphics uh, 16, but that's because I like to collect old school stuff okay. just to have it. I never played anything on it yet, so that's a uh, shame on me for being poser. <laughs> so wait, you just collect all the old stuff and you don't play it? No, mm-hmm. I just like to have it just for displaying purposes. Like, oh my God, like, that's like, awesome. Game console, preser- like preser- preserving history type of stuff. Sure. So, like, that's why I collect them. So, I have, like, all the PlayStations. I have Xbox. I have uh, Turbo Graphics, GameCube, NES. Uh, I have two Nintendo 64s um, because one is, like, the transparent pink and the other one's, like, the, like, gray one. The, the oh, sure. One. Yeah, yeah the ba- the, exactly. The one you ever yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, it's cool. I like the idea that um, they're offering something like this because it really allows for new generations to play old stuff. Um, and it's good for us developers, too, because sometimes you want to go back and play some things um, that could be references to the game that you're making. And this week, actually, I found out that there is an organization. I forgot what their name was, but pretty much they're like a video game preservation, like history uh, organization. They're a nonprofit. Uh-huh. Um, and they are actually collecting. They're doing this whole initiative where they're collecting all the source code from old school games so that developers can have access to it. And we can go in the back end and see how they made the game, um, which is pretty neat stuff. So all of that, I'm totally up for. It's really good for us. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. It's it's nice to keep our history. And I know, you know, it was yeah. very sad out here in the Bay Area. Uh, the MAID, the Museum of Art and Digital Entertainment, uh, they had opened up in Oakland. They had a giant space. Danny O'Dwyer had done a bunch of stuff with them in Noclip. And because of COVID, they had closed down the physical location. But it oh, was okay. this idea of bringing everything into one spot and having it there ready to be uh, protected, played, and seen. And that is important, right, to have that. Otherwise, it's just going to be YouTube videos of what things used to be at best, exactly. maybe not even around. And that'll never be the same as holding those original controllers or holding those original pieces of plastic. Right, 100%. You know what else is cool? I don't know if you said something. I don't even know if you said it. Do we say something? Yeah, it's cool and holding it. Sure. Video games are cool, Kevin. <laughs> but so are sponsors. Remember, you can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. Get the show ad-free along with the exclusive post show we do. But speaking of those ads, let me tell you about our sponsors today. We'll start with Upstart. During these economically turbulent times, everyone is looking for a way to feel more financially secure. So if you're still needlessly throwing money every month at high-interest credit card debt, it's time you checked out Upstart, the revolutionary online lending platform that knows you're more than just a credit score. Now, Now is the time to find out how low your upstart rate can be to help pay off high interest credit card debt. 
Unlike other lenders, Upstart can reward you based on your education and job history in the form of a smarter rate. You don't need a degree or diploma to apply, though. Upstart lets you skip going to the bank because it's completely online. They offer loans from $1,000 to $50,000, so you can consolidate your debt into one easy fixed-rate payment. Upstart makes it fast and simple to check your rate. Since it's just a soft pull, it won't affect your credit score. The hard pull happens if you accept your rate and proceed with your application. The best part, if the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards or meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high interest credit card debt and get back to using your money the way you want to with Upstart. I uh, see why Upstart has a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your upstart rate can be checking your rate takes only a few minutes that's upstart.com slash kf games your loan amount will be determined based on your credit income and certain information provided in your loan application not all applicants will qualify for the full amount up next is DoorDash. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Uh, continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that need your patronage now more than ever. Uh, last night, did it myself here. RT uh, Rotisserie in uh, SF. Both Jen and I got to the end of the day. We're exhausted. We ordered that kevin they do this duck fat fried rice oh my god or it's just i guess it's just duck fat rice it's not fried rice it's just rice that i think they cook in the duck fat it's so good kevin do you like rice kevin why are you oh, talking like t-pain I... you're talking oh. like t-pain right now kevin why <laughs> i'm sorry it, it automatically turns that on sometimes don't worry about it don't ask questions you're good. Huh, you've counted on restaurants and they're counting on you. And while dining rooms may be closed, uh, they're still open on delivery with DoorDash. So check out DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door if you want with their new contact delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national chains. Uh, DoorDash deliveries are now contactless, like we said. It will make everybody safer. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and free delivery fees, zero delivery fees, on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code GAMES. Uh, that's $5 off and zero delivery uh, fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GAMES. Don't forget that's code GAMES for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And finally, it's Bespoke Post. This fall, as you get back into the swing of things, Bespoke Post has brand new seasonal boxes of awesome collections uh, for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. Tim got these. He got some whiskey glasses. I got so jealous, I ordered my own. Whether it's gear to upgrade your autumn craft beers or cozy threads for when the temperature dips, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. Uh, to get started, take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only $45, uh, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code GAMES at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code GAMES for 20% off your first box. Elaine. Yes. I am I am excited for my box of awesome to arrive, but it is still so far away. If I wanted something <laughs> more immediate, say what came to the mom and grab shops, where would I go? I don't know. <laughs> no, this no, this is where you read the list. Remember well, the list thing. You gotta read the list thing. I told you what he said. That's what everybody said. Bad transition. He said that. Remember? That was that was how he said it. Yes, that's right. The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of fun and games daily show hosts each and every weekend. Week? No, each and every weekday. Yeah. You know, Kevin, they think I'm lying. I say it's going to be a bad transition. They don't believe me. Terrible. Oh, man. Uh, it was oh, actually one of the good ones. Danny's liquor over here. <laughs> drink, uh, drink, 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 drink. Don't, yeah? don't, don't challenge me with a good time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's it? That wasn't even a Danny, shot. I really the number wow. on you with that one. 
I mean, I just keep it here to get me through the days now. Out today, uh, Raji and Ancient Epic on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, Ring of Pain on Switch and PC and Mac. Cloudpunk, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Uh, Space Crew, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, and Mac. Leisure Suit, Larry Wet Dreams Dry Twice, PC and Mac. Cake Bash, PS4, Xbox One, PC. Tennis World Tour 2 Switch. Terror Squid, Switch and PC and Mac. Uh, Age of Empires 3 Definitive Edition, PC. The Signifier, PC. Jackbox Party Pack 7, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC. Monster Truck Championship, PlayStation 4 and PC. Alpaca Ball, All Stars, Switch and PC. The Enigma of the Salazar House on PC. Escape Knox Manor, PC. Dust Off Z, Switch and PC. Uh, this is the Zodiac Speaking, Switch and PC. Uh, Pro Mesa, PC and Mac. Barry the Bunny, PC. Hardcore Mecha, Switch. Burst Shooter, Switch. Uh, Castle of No Escape, Switch. Electronic Super Joy 2, Switch. Tricky Spider 2, there's Tricky Spider Switch. Den Z Meat, Switch. There's so many Switch games here. This had to have been, they must have combined Thursdays and Fridays, but it doesn't matter because I know Blessing didn't read Thursday stuff yesterday. Uh, along the Edge, Switch. Sears Island, uh, Sears Island on Switch. Uh, Dream on Switch. Roki on Switch. Shoot, 1-Up DX on Switch. Bat, bar, bat, it's like Barbarian, but Bat Bear. So it'd be Batbarian. Uh, Testament of the Primordials on Switch. And then Nine Monkeys of Shaolin available now on PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. New dates for you. Uh, Carto is coming to the Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One for October 27th. Oh, Steam as well via the Humble Store. Uh, League of Legends, Wild Rift is entering its first regional open beta starting October 27th. This will take place in Indonesia, Japan, Malaysia, the Philippines, Singapore, South Korea, and Thailand, and will provide players in these regions uh, with an open invitation to experience Wild Rift. League of Legends, Wild Rift will then be expanding uh, to new markets over the next few months with Europe, Oceania, uh, Vietnam, and Taiwan in December. Riot is also aiming to expand to the Americas in spring 2021. Legends of the Ethernal uh, is uh, launching October 30th on Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Goner 2 is releasing October 22nd, 2020. And then A Tale of Paper uh, is coming out uh, on PlayStation VR on October 21st. Whew. That's a lot, Elaine. You know what I mean? And I had to recover from you just throwing me under the bus. You know what I mean? Sorry. No, I love it. You fit right in here. You (laughs) fit right in here. Don't worry about that at all, please. I'm not worried about that. Uh, For Reader Mail, the nanobiologist writes in to patreon.com slash kind of funny games and says, Hi, Greg and Elaine. Got news about Valhalla. I'm sorry. Got great news about Valhalla, (laughs) Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's gone gold, right? I usually put gone gold announcements in when it's a slow news day. But yes, Assassin's Creed Valhalla did go, it's not a slow news day today, did go gold. They announced that. Uh, Back to Nano. While it is time to celebrate this game and how amazing it looks, dot, 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 what about its siblings or sibling, Watch Dogs Legion? Have we heard that this game has gone gold yet? Nearly every big developer slash publisher celebrates the big day their game goes to print. And with about two weeks before Legion comes out, why hasn't Ubisoft announced this yet? Should we begin worrying that this game will be delayed? Will a, la- will a la- late minute gold status squash a lot of bugs that are uh, normally caught as a game goes to print? Thanks, the nanobiologist. Elaine, do you think we should read a lot into the fact that we haven't seen Clint holding up a disc going, we've gone gold? Um, well, I think that the nanobiologist's uh, gut is correct. I think the reason why it's not being around, announced is because it may, the high possibility that it will be delayed. Um, usually that's what we do. We uh, don't say anything <laughs> and, hope, <laughs> and hope nobody notices. We uh, stay completely <laughs> quiet and then don't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you have a big launch that has gone gold, the likelihood that like a lot of the logistics and the marketing and everything all the time has been invested into that game um, is super high. Um, and then sometimes things need to get priority over others. You know, it's like things in life when you need something needs to grab your attention immediately. Um, things that thing is going well, you're going to invest your time and your resources in that thing. And then other things may get a little bit of the back burner. Um, but I'm not Ubisoft. I don't know anything about what they're doing. So it may be possible that it will come out. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. It's you, you call it out nano and you're right. That is weird. Cause you usually do see people uh, taking their victory laps, putting it up there. Mm-hmm. My thought would be, as you point out, nano, you know, we're two weeks before Legion getting launched. It seems super late to announce that, that delay. Right. And so I don't know if it's, you know, usually, I guess it's not even true. I was going to say, usually you see 
the personality of the studio do it. I, you know, Clint is the guy up at Ubisoft right now who's leading the Watchdogs charge, and he's not super active on Twitter, so that might have something to do with it. Uh, the Watchdogs Legion Twitter, I don't think it has legions of fans either, so maybe that's not the re. I don't know. It's a weird one that we've talked about at length, right? Of Watchdogs Legion is totally my jam. I loved what I've played of it. You know, the different previews we've done of it, I think it's super impressive. But when we get to this, uh, you know finish line for this generation the start of next gen this holiday rush like i do feel that's one of those games that's going to be the first one to be the oh i'm not going to finish that or i'm not going to pick it up or oh i'll get to it later and it just piles on it is it goes in the pile of shame so i don't know if they're maybe waiting for they're waiting to be as quiet as possible until it's like hey let's make a real push like let's you know and i don't know any information you know the review embargo drops this day let's really go nuts around that review embargo and then have people remember that's coming out that day and make it seem like a thing i don't know why they haven't done it i i but i don't read into it that next week you're gonna get a or even tonight i guess usually five o'clock is when you send out bad news on a friday right you're gonna get a tweet today like hey watchdogs legions delayed until next year i don't see that happening but it could anything can happen in the video game industry as we've learned day and day around here yeah, and Cuphead does a little slack too because hello, it's a pandemic. So right. we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all working remotely. And when it comes to big companies like Ubisoft, we're talking about hundreds and perhaps even thousands of employees scattered all over the world who are working on this game. And sometimes shit happens um, and they cannot meet deadlines because you know the transferring of information and all that stuff is, is a big deal. And, and things just break, things don't work properly, so things need to get pushed. But it's not, I'm sure, because they don't want to release it when they said they would. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not the thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, time to squad up. This is where you, the kind of funny best friends, write into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, giving us your name, username, platform of choice, and why you need help in a video game. I read it here. The best friends come and find you, and everybody plays games together. Today, Michael needs help on Xbox. The Xbox Live username is music is blood, all one word. Looking for some kind of funny best friends to follow on Xbox. I usually play a lot of single player, but compete via gamer score with the monthly rankings of friends currently raised my gamer score 2370 points so far in october feel free to add me and let's raise those gamer scores if you want to chase those xbox gamer score leaderboards hit up music is blood all one word get on it uh elaine we ask people watching live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games to go to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong and tell us what we screw up as we screw it up so we can set the record straight for everybody watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, rooster teeth, and listening on podcast services around the globe. We did really well today so far, I want you to know. Uh, Nanobiologist jumps in and he's trying to help. He says, "Uh, I think the foundation Elaine is thinking of is the Video Game History Foundation, gamehistory.org. Thank you for that. Yes, they're doing awesome work. I just found out about them this week. Uh, so there you go gamehistory.org you can go check that out and then kebabs pops in and says this is minor news that was missed u.s players who earned the end game trophy in spider-man on playstation 4 by october 29th for finishing the story will have the chance to win a mini fig of miles morales in the upcoming game uh it is a twitter link to playstation's twitter go on over to playstation's twitter you can click on there you just sign into your psn and if you've got that trophy you can be entered to win so that's super exciting. And then BTM underscore JFLX uh, says, hey, I didn't hear exactly, but Target is also shipping PlayStation accessories earlier. I will read the last paragraph of the story again for you. Uh, BTM underscore JFLX. Some retailers like Target also can f- sh- J. Come on, BTM. Come on, BTM. Come on, dude. You know? What on. are you doing? You <laughs> are put you the show on just to stare at us? Would you like to listen to what we say? He must have his, his muted. It's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment to see this right now, BTM. All right. The last paragraph of the story. I want you to think about this. I just want you to this weekend. We're all disappointed. Think about it. And it's not, we're not mad. I've raised my voice. I understand. I've had some Dominican Republic rum. All right. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. Think about it. <laughs> no, we're fine. It's fine. <laughs> Kevin, you joined in on me and you get a gold star for that. So there you go. Oh, thank you. The Legion of Kevin thanks you. Oh, God. Are you stealing that from Gary? <laughs> no, you see the Legion? Yeah, no. Just, it's I, 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 oh, no, think about it. I was going to explain if you're a lot of people are joining us getting ready for the Animal Crossing stream. If you didn't know, and Elaine, if you didn't know, uh, if Kevin can get 25 gold stars in the month of October, he will get a pizza party thrown by me. 
So he's oh, pretty excited. Oh, that's so nice. So he's doing it all. Right now, according to the, the Moobot, you have 14 gold stars. So you're, now, you're on your way, counting, Is this counting the gold star I got on yesterday's GameCast? Probably not, because that wasn't like broadcast. So probably what somebody I mean? else has to add another one. See yeah, no, I mean? good. You there know you what? Go. You get a gold star for that. reminding us of hey! that. That's three gold stars added to Kevin's total right there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's Kind of Funny Games Daily for not only Friday, but Kind of Funny's Hispanic Heritage Week. Elaine, thank you once again for being a part of it and coming in and speaking so eloquently at the front about everything. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, where can everybody keep up with you? Um, Twitter. Chilatastic is uh, where I live uh yeah that's my handle please don't follow me on ig a lot of people started following me on ig after um the podcast show with andy but Uh like i i don't accept people on there because that's for my family and my friends so i'm so sorry (laughs) i feel so bad for rejecting people and it's just like like a slew of like 50 people i'm just like delete 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 and i felt like shit for doing that so i'm sorry if you followed me on ig and i no. Everybody do it on Twitter. That's the link <laughs> yes. we'll put in the description Twitter, of the YouTube yes. video. So go there. Go there. Please, please do. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, that's the end of Kind of Funny Games Daily for this week. We will be back, remember, each and every weekday on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. We are live with Kind of Funny Games Daily. You can get it later on patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, ad-free, and with the exclusive post show Elaine's about to do. Uh, you're going to do it with Tim. I got to go do this uh, Animal Crossing thing. No big deal. And then, of course, you can catch it at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. No matter where you get the show, thank you for watching and supporting it. Please consider doing it each and every day. Next week, your hosts look like this. Monday, it will be me. Or I'm sorry, no, Monday it'll be Blessing and Tim. Uh, Tuesday, it will be Imran and Fran. Wednesday, it will be me and David from Upload VR, our friend. Uh, Thursday, it will be Tim and Greg. Friday, it will be Greg and Blessing. I am Greg. I don't know why I keep saying Greg in third person there, but that's what's happening as I repeat it off. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you.